Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. First off, I'm going to apologize right off the bat that my allergies are going crazy this morning. I keep having to stop to blow my nose. So I'm going to sound a bit more nasally than usual. I almost thought about not doing this one this morning because it's been literally constant sneezing and runny nose, which I'm sure nobody here really wants to hear about. It's kind of gross. But figure I'd explain why I'm sounding so stuffy this morning. So not sick, it's allergies. I have terrible seasonal allergies. It was really a lot of fun when I was a kid growing up because we had a farm. We were constantly dealing with hay and cutting down brush and always outside and my allergies were atrocious. So now we live up on a street that's like in a heavily wooded area. There's woods all around us. And once I, I did an allergy test recently, they told me I was basically allergic to every single plant around us. So anyway, unfortunately, sometimes I have mornings like these. And today it just happens to be on a morning of a podcast. So if this one's a little bit shorter, I know I've been saying that a lot lately, but things have been kind of crazy around here. I apologize in advance, but I'm going to try to get through it and put together a good podcast. So to kick this one off, it's it's going to focus mostly on one topic, I think, this time around, and it's been one I've been planning on dealing with for a while because it, it pops up so often and a lot of times from beginners, and what this one's going to be about today is blue tarantulas. I'm going to warn people right off the bat, I probably won't cover every single blue tarantula there is out there. There are a lot that have different, you know, quantities of blue on them. There are some that kind of lose their blue as they get older. So, for example, one right off the bat that I originally had the list and I took off is the Harpectera pulchrope is one of my favorite all-time species. And when they're younger and juveniles, that blue on their legs tends to pop. But if you've seen an adult female, and people can feel free to, I'm sure somebody will come forward and go, yeah, but look at my female. If you see an adult female, generally it it turns into more of a gray. It's not one you'd immediately look at with, you know... sitting in the tank and go, wow, look at that brilliant blue spider. It's a gorgeous spider. And the contrast in those gray blue, you know, it's kind of a a cool gray leg coloration with the rest of it. And they almost look like armored plating. I mean, it's a cool looking spider, but it's just not one that when I started doing this, I didn't really think of it as one of the blue spiders, especially later on. So I kind of kept it off the list. I got a funny feeling I'm going to get some some pushback on that. But again, it's one of my favorites. It's just, I, I it kind of came between that and another species that we'll get to in a moment. So I left that one off the list right off the bat. Also, I left the Birupi Simaroxagorum off of the list because quite frankly, they're very, very, very expensive right now. Not a lot of people have them. And, you know, there's some question about how they were acquired. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to pull that one in. It might be something I regret later on because what will happen is, They'll get established in the hobby. There'll be more of them out there. And people, uh, when I put this list up, I'm also doing a video of it, will come on the video and comment, hey, how did you forget this one? So hopefully I'll probably explain that. And yes, that's another thing I want to make clear is that this will be one of the ones I'm doing a podcast where I get a little more into depth into it, but it'll also be an article and a video. So I've got the article written. I've got the voiceover and I've already putting the video together. The goal is to get those out this weekend so I can kind of have all of them out at the same time. But anyway, what the reason I'm doing this one is because I get a lot of, what will happen is I'll throw a video up that'll feature one of the blue tarantulas and especially one of the popular ones like the P. Metallica or M. Balfrey. And people will immediately come on and go, oh, I got to get one of these. I love blue tarantulas. Where do I get one? Uh, I really want to get into the hobby. And it's like, okay, grind to a halt there. Hold on. These are not beginner species. And I think a lot of people that are just getting into the hobby, and I was one of them way back in the day, you see a pretty spider, you see an amazing looking spider, and you've been told for years that spiders are all, or tarantulas, 
are all laid back and can be handled. And if you get bit, it's no worse than a bee sting. And it's, you know, before that moment where you find out that there are these things called old world tarantulas that can be fast, that can be defensive, that lack the urticating hairs that the new world spiders have that they can kick at you for defense. So therefore, if they feel threatened, they're going to throw up a threat posture. They're going to slap at you. And if you don't back off, they will use their fangs. And if they bite you, it's going to be a heck of a lot worse than a bee sting. So I think a lot of us, that initially get into the hobby, we start going out there, and this was me, and I can remember, I'm looking at the spot where my computer used to be, I can remember turning around the billy going, you've you've got to see these things, like I started pulling up blue tarantulas, and the first one I pulled up, and it'll be the first one we talk, or one of the first ones we talk about on the list is the cobalt blue, I think that's one of the first everybody know, uh, sees, the C. lividus for the scientific name, a lot of us start off seeing that one, and I remember turning to Billy going, Billy, they come in blue, and I called her over, and then I was looking at pictures of ones that look really, really dull, and then I looked at pictures of ones that look very, very vibrant, and after doing some research, I stumbled on another species that we'll get to in a moment that was ridiculously vibrant, and I'm like, this is Photoshop. This isn't even real. This can't be a real animal, because it's hard for you to understand when you first get in a hobby, and you're used to seeing spiders as these big, brown, hairy bugs. I mean, that's what a lot of us come into. That's what a lot of the stigmas I battle, of all the stigmas I battle with people, one of them is the fact they think they're all just big, hairy spiders. I've mentioned this before, that when I tell people I have like 200 tarantulas, they immediately picture a bunch of big, brown, hairy spiders. They don't realize they come in a myriad of colors. So for a lot of us, this is what starts that fascination when we realize they're not just all brown. Not that there's anything wrong with brown spiders. Some of my favorite spiders out there are just brown spiders, so I don't want to make it like I'm you know, putting them down. I'm not. I love them all. But the colorful ones tend to get us hooked. And I think for a lot of new people, when you're surfing YouTube and you come upon a video and this guy is showing off a a tank with nine of these blue-legged beauties in it, you're immediately like, I need that. I want that. And unfortunately, it leads to a lot of questions or a lot of people that will come on and comment and go like, where do I get one of these? How hard do they keep? If, If I get bitten, will it be that bad? They don't know any better yet. So, What it started, this happened the other day where it was on three different blue species. I I will mention it was um, O. diamantiensis, it was M. balfouri, and it was P. metallica. All three videos, different videos featuring those species. I had people come on and go, I'm brand new to the hobby. Could I keep one of these? Would I be okay keeping one of these? And then it turns into this big long comment where I try to explain the differences between old worlds and new worlds. And so... Anyway, what I decided is to make a list of some of the more popular ones, including a couple that people don't think about, but that I keep. So I have experience with, so I can say, hey, this is a good one to check out and try to put together a list so that somebody that's interested in blue tarantulas, I can go, hey, you know what? Check out this podcast or check out this video or check out this article. This will tell you all you need to know about those species. And then what my goal is with the video is with YouTube, you can put these little like text, I forget what they're tabs or something. I Somebody's probably laughing at me because I can't remember the exact term, but you can put a little tab up there while you're talking. So say I'm talking about P. Metallica, a little tab will pop up that'll say more information. You click on that, I can have people go right to my P. Metallica videos where I go into depth with the care of them. So I'm hoping that could be used as a springboard. So that, you know, Johnny, new to the hobby, comes on, sees an M. Balfour, he goes, oh my gosh, I, I, I really would like to know more about this. I say, hey, check out my video on blue tarantulas. 
they check out the video on Blue Tarantula. They go, oh, there's the M. Balfouri. Let me click on this little thing. Next thing you know, it, they've got all the information on M. Balfouri. They'd need to make an educated you know, decision on whether or not that's the right spider for them. So that's the idea behind it. But it's such a fun topic that I've been you know, thinking it would make a good podcast topic. So anyway, here we are. Now, a couple things right off the bat I want to mention. Well, one major thing, and I think it kind of does a disservice to the hobby sometimes. I get it, and I've probably been guilty. I'm not probably. I've done it myself, I think, where I've done the same thing before and felt kind of stupid about it afterwards. But the there's a big issue with taking the blue spiders. Now, what happens is you have a blue spider. Under the right light, some of these guys really pop. They really glow. And I think what happens is that under the right light becomes very, very difficult when you're trying to photograph them and get those blues to pop. So what will end up happening is somebody will take a picture of their P. Sosme, for example. I see this happen a lot with this species. And P. Sosme, if you've seen them in person, they're kind of a navy blue. They're a darker blue. They almost appear black when you don't put them under a light. If you get them under certain lights, you can see that blue is sheen. If you get them under the you know really good lights or the correct lighting, that blue can really pop, especially right after a molt. They can really shine. However, what will happen is somebody will take a picture the blues don't pop enough. They throw it on an editing program. They throw it on Instagram. They jack up the saturation. They jack up the contrast. Next thing you know, it, you have something that looks like a radioactive blue spider. It's like glowing blue. And they throw this up and people see it and go, oh my gosh, I've never seen a, a tarantula so beautiful. Look at that blue. Not realizing that it's been over-exaggerated. And this happens, I've seen it with them. Balfouri, H. Polkropies is a big one. That's one of the reasons, again, that I didn't include it on the list because... I think a lot of people, there's one picture in particular that floats around there where somebody jacked up the saturation and the brightness on it. The thing, the blue is just like a electric powder blue. It, it, it's an amazing picture. Unfortunately, I've kept several of these guys. You, you don't really get that color blue. So a lot of people will get the spiders. They And I've had people, the worst is when people will email and go, yeah, I picked one of these up. It's, it's showing his colors, not as bright as I thought it was going to be. It's because somebody went a little too far with the Photoshop and threw it up on Instagram. So it set up realistic, uh, unrealistic expectations. There was one Instagrammer that I follow that uh, early on, it was like, oh, they're posting tarantula pictures. And I realized this individual just takes other people's pictures, jacks up all the levels on them and puts them up there and makes them look like they're all glowing. And I can't stand it. I end up unfollowing the channel because I'm like, you know what? This is not what they really look like so that's a huge problem I think and we do ourselves a disservice sometimes when we put pictures up like that because it sets people up with unrealistic expectations I I do and I've wrestled with this, this before too where I'll take a picture and in my phone screen it shows exactly what I'm seeing so I'm seeing these colors pop uh, I just had this with the video I was trying to do homeoma species blue peru to my eyes and in my camera it was looking it was looking fairly blue very blue and unfortunately when i loaded the video up it doesn't look nearly as blue as it was looking in person so this is where we fall into the trap where we start playing with the levels and next thing you know we've got this blown out picture that doesn't even resemble the original spider that we're taking pictures of so it makes it difficult because I think these guys even the ones that are less strikingly blue that are a more muted blue tone are gorgeous spiders. H. Polkropies, for example. It doesn't need to be a bright blue on those legs for it to be a gorgeous spider. It's that contrast, for me, between that cool gray blue tone on the legs and the fiery golds of the body just really make it pop. But unfortunately, people are going to be people. And when you're posting stuff on Instagram, the picture that looks the most outrageous, generally, if you if one person 
posts a picture of H. Pulcropies with its muted tones without a lot of lighting and without playing with the colors. And somebody posts one where they blow everything up so it looks like this flaming spider with, you know, super electric blue legs. Obviously, that one's going to get more likes and more, you know, attention. So I get it. But unfortunately, it's one of the things I try to, you know, combat when I'm talking about blue spiders and try to give people realistic expectations. So there will be mention of that when I do the video version of this. I'm doing it here through the podcast. The video version, I will mention the fact that I'm going to call out when a spider's colors aren't as blue as maybe you have seen pictures of. I want to make it very clear. And the footage that I have of these guys is very realistic footage. There was no, I have one light on them. I have the camera and we got what we got. So some of them look really blue. Some of them disappointingly did not come out as blue as they appear to the naked eye when you're looking at them. So for example, Sudhoplopus species blue. I have two of them. They photograph wonderfully normally. I went to take video of them and the blue on the bums did, did not pop the way I was hoping. So anyway, moving on with the list, what I, my goal is to kind of hit some of the more popular ones, throw a couple in there that maybe aren't so well known, kind of give people an alternative. Like, listen, if you're new to the hobby, these aren't ones you want to try right off the bat. In some cases, and I don't like ever saying negative things about tarantulas, but trying to give some of the negatives to these guys. And you'll see when I get into the actual meat of this, that there are some negatives that people need to be aware of before they get into them, but then try to guide them to like, all right, you may not be able to keep this one right now, but here's a spider that you could keep. So trying to look at like what level these guys are at in terms of temperament and husbandry and give people a realistic idea, just a snapshot. I didn't want this to get too overly long. Unfortunately, sometimes when I write these articles, my goal always, and I think it's the teacher in me is to hit every single angle and I end up with these bloated articles that I don't even know most normal people would have the stamina to go through. So I tried to tone it down, keep it short. And again, the idea is that they can click on that little banner up top and find more information if they want it. So to kick this one off, the one first one I hit because it was, I know it was one of the first ones I saw in the hobby and was immediately attracted to and not in a physical way, obviously, but in a, oh my gosh, I need to own this thing was the Ovilocipes. I love these guys. They're gorgeous. I do find it funny their common name is Singapore Blue but if you've seen these guys in person granted there are some ones out there I've seen photos of ones that if the light's not on them they do appear more bluish but mine and the majority of the ones I've seen are actually more purple kind of indigos and violets on them but still an amazing looking spider one of the biggest blue spiders you can get supposedly females can reach nine inches or above my girl i'd like to tell you how big she is the last molt i pulled out of there it was in pieces but it looked like she was about seven inches or so she just molted again last month and so i'm hoping she's a little bit bigger but i never see her and we'll get to that point in a moment so what will happen is people will see oviolosabes they're gorgeous spiders they'll go i need one of those but there are some things we need to be aware of with them first this is considered to be I think the majority of people I've spoken to, these are considered to be one of the true expert, quote unquote expert. I hate labeling things, you know, expert beginner because it depends on the person or the keeper. But these are considered to be one of the true expert species because they are moisture dependent from sling to adulthood and they need a moist environment. So you have to be adept at keeping their conditions correct so they're not too swampy. So it's not, you know, a cesspool for bacteria, but while making sure that the conditions in there stay suitably moist for the tarantula, they are also considered to be one of the more high strung old worlds out there. Remember when I first started researching these guys, I read some horrific thing that somebody wrote. It was on a care sheet that this species doesn't just attack once. It always bites twice. 
And I was like, ooh, that's kind of nasty. Like, what? why does it bite twice? Why, what is this different from other tarantulas? Other tarantulas, you only get bit once. It was just a weird thing, but I remember that detail. And then somebody else years later was like, yeah, I'd like to get an oviolosomies, but I've heard they're incredibly aggressive and they will bite twice each time. They hit you twice and they make sure they envenomate you nice and, you know, well. And, and uh, I have seen it. Again, I try to keep my hands away from them. And what I've seen from my oviolosomies is one of the shyest spiders in my collection. As a matter of fact, I put in this in the article that I was writing that I have seen mine in about seven years a total of three times. If you count the rehousings, I've seen it a total of five times. The la- the only footage I've ever been able to get of it, and you'll see it in the video, and I've had to recycle it a couple times because, again, it's the only footage I have of it, was one time I actually caught it out drinking. It was after a molt. And I got my camera out, carefully got the camera in position. As soon as the light hit it, it went and scrambled behind its enclosure. So, I mean, behind its hide. So I think it's in total maybe 10 seconds of footage. And you guys, anybody that's followed Tom's Big Spiders, my channel, knows that I get a lot of footage of a lot of spiders. I love getting footage of them through the course of their life cycle. So when I go and do a big husbandry video, I have from beginning to end so people can go, oh, look it, here's a sling, here's a juvenile, here's a young adult, here's an adult. This one, I have one shot of it, basically. So not a spider you're going to see very often. And I think that's one of the things people don't take into consideration when they first discover blue spiders is they see something like the oviolosopes and they picture having this beautiful tank and this giant, you know, they hear nine inches, they immediately picture something 12 inches and it's resting atop its cork bark and it's picturesque and it's beautiful and your friends come over and you pour them a drink and you go, hey, come on over here. I got to show you my giant blue tarantula and everybody, you know, claps you on your back and says, oh my God, it's beautiful. No, what you're going to be staring at is a lovely, hopefully you set up a nice enclosure for it because that's mostly what you're going to be seeing is that lovely enclosure. Mine has been in an extra large exoterra now for about three years, I think. And again, I've seen her three times. It might even have been two times. I have three in my head. It might've been two, but it, it was, glimpses. It's like you coming in there in the morning. A lot of my more elusive tarantulas, you come in in the morning, you can catch them out and about. I never catch her out and about. I've tried to catch her. I've come down at night with the night vision camera and tried to catch her. I can't catch her out. It's bizarre. I just took her out the feeder yesterday, dropped some crickets in. The crickets went behind her den. She snatched them up. I caught a quick glimpse of some legs flashing purple and that was it. So I think that's something we need to consider when we get into the blue tarantulas is how much you actually going to see them. If you keep them, and there's a lot on this list, and I'm going to say this from the beginning and I will reiterate it as we go through. So those of you that like to point out that I do repeat myself, it is strategic. It's a teaching technique where you say it a couple different ways and hope that it sticks. These are guys that if you keep correctly, you're not going to see much at all. So I want to make that very, very clear. So beautiful spiders, but incredibly shy, elusive, not fun ones to rehouse. I've heard some horror stories about rehousings. I've got lucky with mine where they tend to burrow as slings and juveniles. Mine is a young adult now. She still hides in a burrow underneath her cork bark that she's built up dirt curtains and dirt around. And generally, the only time you're going to run into, if you're keeping them correctly, the only time you're going to run into issues is when you're rehousing. And they can bolt. They are fast. I think, is it Tarantula Guy has a video of one of his out there, huge female that got out of the enclosure and is bolting around the tarantula room. I remember watching it years ago, like being like, my God, how does he do this? But they can boogie, so that's something to be aware of. But obvious, honestly, I love the spider. I will, It's one that I always plan to have in my collection, but it's one for advanced keepers, I think, because of the temperament or potential for temperament, defensiveness, and bite. 
for the fact that they are a moisture dependent species. And I would say you kind of have to have a decent sized collection to keep one of these guys because you're somebody that only has one or two spiders, you're going to feel pretty disappointed when you get no velocities and you never see it. I've, I've heard from many people before they go out and their first spider they get is one of the elusive ones. And like, I don't understand how anybody likes this hobby. I'm staring at a tub of dirt. So I think for those of us that have larger collections, we have things to preoccupy ourselves with. We have other specimens we can watch. So I, that'll hold true for a few of the ones on this list. But the first one I hit was Oviolospes because I do get a lot of questions about that. And this is one of the ones that I'll get emails. Hi, my name is Tom. I just got into the hobby. I picked up a B. albopelosum. I'm looking at an Oviolospes. What do you think about somebody new to the hobby getting one of these? And I'm like, oh, Boy, again, I've had no trouble with, I had three that I bought as slings, two turned out to be males. They were pretty laid back overall for males. And then I had my big female. They haven't given me any trouble, but the potential is always there. So I usually try to warn people off of them for the time being, tell them to get some more experience and to recognize the fact that this isn't going to be a spider you're going to see a whole heck of a lot of. So moving on to the next one on the list, and this will go in the order I had them here. And to make it very clear, I did not make this a top 10 list. I shared my feelings about top 10 lists. I I like to think I have a pretty good handle on the hobby and that I know what I'm talking about, but it's all subjective with many of these things. I do have my, I do have a quote unquote number one on this list only because I went back and did some searches through my emails and there's one species that for a lot of us is the epitome of a beautiful blue spider and it comes up all the time. So I kind of made it like, it's almost like a number one, but it could be taken in any, there's no one here that's better than another. So it's not a top 10 list, but I did kind of put them in order of an old world and new world's. Actually, as I look at it now, it really isn't in much of an order. I kind of put some of the more popular ones down the bottom, but it's it's just a mix. It's it's an offering of some blue tarantulas, if you will. But the next one on the list, as I scroll down, you probably hear my mouse, unfortunately, is the C. lividus or the infamous cobalt blue. This one is another one that a lot of people see. It's their first tarantula, the blue tarantula they see. And the reason for that is these guys are sold as wild-caught specimens. A lot of times pet stores will have wild-caught female specimens on display, obviously, in setups that are completely inappropriate for this species of spider because if you can see a C. lividus it is generally in most instances not being kept correctly now I know there's people that are going to be out there they're going to be like mine didn't burrow it webbed totally cool they can do that I, I totally get it but a lot of people will keep them on shallow substrate end up with much more defensive spiders and that's going to be a running theme with some of these guys but the C. lividus gorgeous animal beautiful animal uh, apparently actually comes in a green femur variety i've been talking to my buddy charles about it who pointed i've seen pictures of the green femur ones and it was on a european site and it, i'm pretty positive what they did is they didn't have a picture of an adult so they took a picture of a regular c lividus and they changed the levels on it so that the femurs appeared more green but it looked like a c lividus that somebody threw up on photoshop however he sent me some beautiful photos of an actual green femur female and she's amazing just throwing that out there because we were just having this discussion charles and I about it and it, really an awesome gorgeous looking animal but the blue ones are gorgeous as well and this was the first when I first started making my list of blue tarantulas this was the one I turned to Billy and said I'm working my way up to this one I'm going to start get some of the quote-unquote beginner species but this is the spider I really want it just it blew my mind that there could be a blue tarantula I love the fact that they seem to be fairly easy to keep although after I did more research I found out that they were more moisture dependent but I think for a lot of us that's 
the one that kicks it all off. For a lot of us, that's the first blue tarantula we've ever seen or ever see. And it kind of opens up the floodgates as far as going out there and researching other blue tarantulas. The other thing about them is slings are often readily available and rather cheap, which makes them enticing. Females, you can usually get adult females if you're looking around and doing some shopping around, you can find one for around 50 bucks or so, 55, 60, 60, around that area, you know, under 100 bucks, which is really good for a female spider. And for many people who immediately want, they don't want a sling. They don't want to start with a sling. They want blue right off the bat. That's a really good purchase. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't do the research on them. So what I'll do is get photos. Hey, this guy is really skittish and nasty. And every time I open the enclosure, it slaps at me. And when I, when I ask for photos of the enclosure, what I'll end up with is a shallow enclosure with not a much substrate at all, a couple inches of substrate, a hide, a lot of webbing, and one really angry sea lividus, one really angry cobalt blue. So again, this is one of these species that is fossorial or bird it needs deep moist substrate to thrive and to live and to be happy and to be safe and secure and to avoid having a nasty spider because it gets a terrible reputation for being one of the most nasty I think it was on a list recently as one of the nastiest spiders out there or something like that and I was kind of laughing at it because I think one of the big issues with it like many of these so-called aggressive spiders is people don't keep them correctly if you set them up in something shallow yeah you're going to have a really pissed off spider and that's just the truth of it and I think a lot of the older videos you see on YouTube and a lot of the older ways people were told to keep spiders, they weren't told to give them enough substrate to dig in. They weren't told to give them deeper enclosures so that you're not right on top of the spider or ripping the roof off its house every time you open it up. And I think the result of that was you had very angry and defensive OBTs. You had very angry and defensive C. lividus. So I think we've outgrown that. We've realized now that there are ways to mitigate those types of personalities, to mitigate the defensiveness. And part of it is just keeping them correctly. So Again, as with the previously mentioned spider, the Oviolosopes, if you keep them correctly and give them room to dig, you barely see them at all. My girl, when I had her, you barely, she was rarely out. I kept her for almost a year before I finally caught a glimpse of her when she was a sling, got her into a juvenile enclosure, caught her out once. It was some of the only video I got of her. She was out and about and I took, actually, I don't even think I'm smart enough to take video. I think I just took a bunch of pictures of her like a dingus. And then when I rehoused her, there was that terrible rehousing where I tried the flood method, was a debacle, but that was those are the only times I really got a good look at her. Besides that, you didn't see her all that much. So again, another one that people get because I think they want a big, beautiful tarantula to display and show their friends, but are sorely disappointed when they realize that they have set it up correctly, which is great and something to be applauded, but unfortunately, they don't see it all that often. So C. lividus, I will always feel like, is one of the hobby staples for me. It's a spider that almost everybody seems to own at some point, and that the majority of us, a lot, I shouldn't say majority, I can't say that, but a lot of us find them to be like one of those spiders everybody should have in their collection at some point. So, awesome species, just if you keep it correctly, you're not going to see it all that much, you need to know that. And the blue can be very, very striking on some, and on others it can be very dulled out, so that's something to be aware of, because somebody sent me a picture of one she picked up from a pet store, and they actually had it kept pretty well, so she didn't see it until after they got it out. And she thought she got sold the wrong species because the legs look more of a grayish. It, it didn't have that pop that you see. And again, I think this one's sometimes victimized by folks that put up pictures and jack up the levels to make them look like they're radiant, when in fact they're one of those ones that under the right light, they do sparkle, they do pop, they do shine, but it does take the right lighting. So C. lividus, another one on the list, great spider, but not one that's I, I don't think is suitable for beginners because of temperament and the 
uh, challenges of upkeep, but also because of the fact that you're not going to see it all that much, and that tends to turn beginners off. Some beginners, not all. So if you're one of those beginners out there, it's like, no, I don't care about that. Me too, brother. I totally get it. So the next one I put on the list was a more obscure one, but I have some of them, and I like them, and I do try to put them out there as an alternative for people that are looking for blue spiders, but that's the Pseudhapalopus species blue. They are one of the ones that, unfortunately, the entire spider isn't completely blue. The, the body is like, again, that cool gray tone. It's, it's a bluish sheen to it. It's more of a gray, but there's definitely a blue sheen to it. What really stands out about them is the abdomens have these amazing metallic, almost like powder electric blue hairs on them that really pop under almost any light. I, I Well, I'll say almost any light while trying to get video of these guys. They weren't popping all that well. It was driving me nuts. But a simply radiant bum, just a glorious thing to behold. When you get them under the right light, I've, I think I have a picture I posted up on Instagram recently that was just like, I had the flash on the phone, but that was it. I didn't have to adjust anything. And these guys really glow. Just gorgeous little spiders. They are smaller ones on the list, uh, getting to be about three or four inches. It sounds like three, three and a half is about normal. So they're a smaller species. Behavior-wise, they can be a bit skittish. Mine uh, will run and hide rather than stand their ground. They kind of they can be bolty, for lack of a better term. But they're, I've never had any hairs kick from them. They aren't particularly defensive at all. And more often than not, they're out in the open. Mine right now are about two inches or so. They're still small girls, not full grown. But showing those adult colors and quite visible most of the time, which is great because, again, they're gorgeous. Now, these guys can be a little pricey. Slings are very, very tiny, and this is a very slow-growing species. So when you talk about is it suitable for beginners, I think temperament-wise it can be, but folks starting off with teeny tiny slings might be a little overwhelmed with the fact that they are so small. They take so long to grow. Mine were kind of picky eaters, and their premolt periods were kind of long, even though they weren't eating really well because sometimes you have a tarantula that – It'll eat a lot in one sitting and fill up quickly, and then you have this ridiculously long pre-molt period. These guys wouldn't eat a lot and then go into really long pre-molt periods, so something to be aware of. But again, I think for somebody that's informed about them, that has some other spiders to preoccupy them, it's a good you know first blue tarantula to try out because, again, the temperaments aren't that bad. Speed isn't terrible. It's it's a, It would be a good one, a good learning curve spider as far as getting used to faster species. And again, there's another species on this that can be just as fast and even a bit more defensive or jumpy. So we'll get to that in a moment. But cool spiders that I think should make it onto any list of blue tarantulas. And I think those of you that have them can point to the fact they are really unique looking. There's just something about them that it's that blue bum with that body color. It's just a really cool looking spider. So awesome species, not full blue, but definitely offer enough blue that people are going to go, wow, that's not a big brown spider and more beginners friendly than a lot of the species on this list. Now for the next one, I, I'm just going to call it out. I originally was looking at Kilobrachis discless and Kilobrachis electric blue. I, I could put the discless on this one and discless is definitely one to consider. They can be, they're one of the ones that are more iridescent. You have to get them under the correct lighting at the correct angle to see that blue really pop. So I left it off the list because the last time I post up footage of my Kilobrach, unfortunately she passed. She was one of the ones that I rehoused on the bad substrate. I hate that this keeps coming up, but I've had people ask about her. She was a beautiful, gorgeous girl, very laid back, but unfortunately she fell victim to the, the tainted substrate. So, but she was, gorgeous and under the right light you could definitely see an overall blue sheen to her but I posted up some footage of her and people are like that's it there's no blue so I kind of left it I didn't want to include 
both Kilobrachia species. So I went with the electric blue because they tend to get a lot of attention because of the pictures put up. Now, there are some people I've heard that think they're totally overrated because the blue is only on the front legs. I get it. But for me, there's blue, there's spiders that are completely blue. There's spiders that have blue legs. There's spiders that have blue bums. These guys, technically, it's only like a portion of their front legs and their chalicera. But my Lord, is it a brilliant, I mean, when they say electric blue, they're not lying. It's electric blue. It's it's gorgeous. And I found that they're not particularly difficult to get on film and to get that blue to pop, which is an added bonus because some of these species, again, you have to have the correct lighting, the correct angle. Sometimes your cell phone flash will dull it out. Sometimes your overhead light will dull it. It's, it's weird with some of these guys trying to get this stuff to pop. These guys, if there's a light source, generally it pops. And I've gotten some really good photos and some crummy lighting with them that really shows off that blue. So again, awesome species. I love Kilobrachia species. I think everybody knows that. But again, it's an old world species with a potentially nasty bite. It's another tarantula species that requires moist substrate from slings to adulthood. So you're going to have to be, you know, versed on making sure that you keep your moisture levels correct. You don't let it dry out. You don't let it get too swampy. So this is, a, in most cases, a tarantula for an experienced or more experienced keeper. Now, from the downsides, besides that, obviously being old world and being fossorial, you don't see them all that much. Again, although I will say with mine, I tend to catch their legs hanging out. I, I often wonder if that blue isn't meant to attract insects and bugs to their dens. If they leave... Sometimes they'll leave their legs hanging out of the dens. The light will hit it. It kind of sparkles. I can imagine if this is in a place where there's sunshine, they're really going to glow. And I wonder if that doesn't attract prey. And that would be a thought for me is why they would have those, you know, just the front colored legs have that blue on them. But when you see it, it's amazing. It's gorgeous. I know it's not fully blue. The rest of them is a brown color. But my Lord, it almost makes it better because of the contrast from the drab overall body coloration to those legs is just astounding. So they're awesome eaters. They grow fairly quickly. I don't find them particularly difficult to keep, but they are a moisture dependent species. So you're going to want to be aware of that. And again, as with many of the other species on this list, if you keep them correctly, I know I keep saying it, but it needs to be repeated. If you keep them correctly, you're not going to see them all that much. But my Lord, when you see them, it is so worth it. And this is one of those species that like when one of them's out, I have to call the whole family and like, guys, guys, the electric blue's out. Let's check this one out because they're just so good looking. But nice, I, I would say some of the nicest legs in the hobby, at least those front legs. But again, not for everybody. And I've heard other people complain that, you know, they're overrated and whatever, teach your own. That's what makes the hobby so great is that there are many different species for many different types of people and personality and tastes. I happen to like these guys. Think they're a cool addition to any collection, but again, for keepers that have some experience. All right, up next, we have the Homeoma Species Blue Peru. I've gone into, if you check out my video on these guys, I'm not going to go into it, but there's a couple species being sold under this name. There's some confusion about it. The ones I have seem to be the true Homeoma species. They're, they're smaller. They've The growth rate has been much slower. This is a species that has a kind of an overall blue coloration to it all around, like on its legs, on its carapace, especially the older specimens. Younger specimens, it takes them a while to get some of that blue. It's starts off kind of on the femurs, but then it starts going down the legs on the carapace. Really cool looking, but it's more muted than some of the other species on this list. So I've tried to encourage people to check these guys out before, and I've had people come back and go, eh, I looked at your video. It doesn't look very blue to me. And I will say when I shot video of this yesterday, my two females are both in pre-molt, and I wasn't able to get, the, the footage I was able to get of them didn't really show off how blue they can get. I, you can see the femurs, but it's not really popping. It's more of a muted gray blue, but you can see it there. But 
The cool thing about these guys is they are beginner friendly. They are, the slings are really, really teeny tiny. They are kind of slower growing, but mine, as they put on some size, are about two and a half, three inches now. I have actually three of them. I, I think one of them is a male. They're about three inches or so now, and they're fairly laid back. One of mine actually reminds me a lot of my homeoma chilensis, wherein you open the enclosure and she kind of comes out to explore. If I'm telling the truth, she's might have she might have ended up in my hand before, but mine have been fairly laid back. It, it, the worst you're going to get from them is they get scared, they go into a corner, and they scrunch up in the corner and try to hide. That's about it. They don't really bolt around the enclosure, as you'll see when I'm taking footage of it. They do bolt. They run around a little bit, but it's not like they're going to run out of the enclosure. So I think it would be a really accessible species for somebody that was new to the hobby. The problem is they're just not particularly widely available you don't see them all that much and when i got mine afterwards i tried to find some more and i didn't see them around so you have to kind of search for them but awesome species they could make a good beginner and they do have that blue so for somebody looking to get into blue tarantulas that want something they can show off their friends these guys again not as vibrant as some of the other species that were listed earlier they'll be listed toward the end of this list but the blues are there right after a bolt. They are quite vibrant. I've got some beautiful photos of mine, and they tend to get more of that blue as they get older and mature. And plus, they have almost this salmon pinky color to them. They have stripes on their legs. They have some around their carapace that really helps that blue to pop. It's just a cool coloration. So awesome little spiders. Again, for somebody that's aware of the fact that they're going to take a little while to grow, that it's going to take a little while for the color to show, they'd be an awesome little beginner species. And I think they get overlooked sometimes because they're not as blue as some of the other ones out there, and that's kind of a shame. But due to the ease of care and relatively gentle, gentle nature, these guys would make an excellent addition to a newbie's collection that's looking to have something with a little blue in it. Now, the next species on this list I am asked constantly about and asked if it makes a good beginner. I get like, one, I, seriously, one of these a week. Somebody will go on one of the videos I post to these guys and go, so does this one make a good beginner? Even on the ones where I've said flat out they do not make good beginners, that would be the Tarina Pelma Sazme or the Brazilian Blue, I think is the common name. They are a gorgeous full blue New World tarantula. And I think what happens is people hear New World and think, oh, good, these guys have to be laid back and probably tractable and easy to keep. Well, no. Unfortunately, they are easy to keep. They originally when they came out everybody said they were super moisture dependent but if you do your research you find out the place that they live has periods of a lot of rain torrential rains and then they have really dry periods so they're pretty adaptable although i do keep slings and juveniles moist and as adults i do have one of them's in a bioactive enclosure so it's kept moist at all times the other one is not yet in a bioactive enclosure but i do keep part of it moist but they seem to tolerate the dry well two they are good eaters overall growth rate kind of slow but the blue, let's talk about the blue for a moment. They are blue all over their bodies. After a molt, it pops beautifully. I mean, they really, they're pretty radiant. But know that they are spiders that when they, you know, the further they get away from the molt, it darkens up a little bit. So they almost look to be like navy blue or almost blackish under regular light. If you get them under correct lighting, I mean, this is one of the species you really have to play around with what type of lighting you're using. You can get that blue to pop. But this is one of the ones I see that a lot of people kind of abuse Photoshop and the, you know, filters on and really try to, to try to make that blue show kind of exaggerated to a point that's a, a bit unrealistic, which is kind of a shame because I still think one of my favorite shots I have of these guys was actually taken from a video where I did the rehousing, put it into the communal enclosure, and there's a Photonia plant there, and it's a very naturalistic background, and although the blues aren't necessarily popping and glowing on this one, it is a beautiful overall shade of blue, just a stunning spider. Now, temperament-wise... 
these guys, and I've talked to a lot of people, and the majority of them have backed me up on it. And I think what happened is originally they came out and people were like, oh, they're they're laid back and gentle. And I, I guess somebody just had a really calm specimen because that's not what I've seen at all. Both of mine went through a, pay, uh, a period as slings where they would kick hairs at the slightest disturbance. Not slings, kind of larger slings, juvenile stage, I should say. Little slings they just hit all the time. Once they got out and I moved them to their second enclosure and they're a little larger, still weren't showing their adult colorations that get some kicking. That uh, continued for a little while. Then they got to the point where they started looking like young adults. And then they both went through their I am a nasty little spider stage where every time I opened the enclosure, they would stand right in the middle of the enclosure. They wouldn't try to hide. They wouldn't try to run. They would stand their ground, threat posture, slap. Not usually with fangs out. That's one thing I always try to look at is I have some spiders that they will slap and their fangs are out, meaning, listen, you put your hand anywhere near me, I'm biting it. Other ones kind of just do the slap where they don't have the fangs out. It's more just a display. These guys, it seemed like a display, but man, was it impressive. And I had uh, several people over the years who picked these guys up that had the same behaviors and they were kind of new to the hobby. I know one poor person was afraid to even take it out of the enclosure. They bought it at a show and it was a young adult female, like three inches or so. And they went to open the enclosure and every time they'd open the enclosure, the thing would slap. It scared the heck out of them. And they end up just dropping that in the new enclosure because they were afraid to even open it. And that's not a good situation when you have somebody that's afraid to deal with their spiders. So unfortunately, they're new worlds. They look pretty. They're fairly accessible. Like you can usually find them being sold, at least in the US. I don't know about other places. I always kind of go by the US because that's obviously the market that I'm dealing with, but I'm not sure how it is in Europe and Canada and other places. Gorgeous spiders overall. Awesome. I think, you know, everybody should own one at one point, but they are not beginner, in my opinion, not beginner friendly. Even for people that are aware, it's one thing to hear that you're going to get these types of threat poses. It's another thing to see it. Now, obviously, there are people out there who jump right into the hobby and have no problem with this. So if you're somebody that got one right off the bat, saw this, and it didn't you know, freak you out. I totally understand. But for the majority of new hobbyists, I think these guys could be a little bit intimidating. All right. So I know I hinted this might be a shorter episode, but we're already about 40 minutes into it and I've got three more to go. So apparently guys are getting a beefy one, which is good because I know last week's was a little short and wasn't the best. So next one on the list, one of the most popular spiders in the hobby. These guys sell constantly. They've maintained pretty high prices, I think, because they're always in demand and they're supposedly particularly difficult to breed. It can be tricky to breed them, but that would be Chromatopelma pubicens, or the GBB or Green Bottle Blue. Awesome spiders. One of the few blue spiders that seem to frequently make beginner lists. Now, originally I had these guys when I, I think when I did my first beginner list many, many years ago, I had them on like the high end, like here were the beginner species and these were kind of the beginner species slash intermediate species that could be good beginner species for the right hobbyist, but some people might be scared by them. I've always shared the story that of any species of tarantula, I've talked to people about the GBB tends to be the one that most people new to the hobby email me and talk about how they're intimidated by it because of its speed. Now, I don't find them to be that fast particularly, but when you're used to keeping the other quote-unquote beginner species like the Brachypelmas, the Fonopelmas, Gramostolas, that generally, if you, if you get a little burst of speed, it's not going to be much to write home about. I think compared to those, they seem so much faster. Now, when you get into like Salmopeus and Pisolotheria and other species like that, you can see what speed really is. Even the one coming up next, the slings were some of the fastest things I've ever dealt with. There are faster tarantulas, but I think for people that are used to working with the slower ones, they just kind of sit there, they freak them out. 
Plus, a lot of GBBs go through that kicking stage where they kick constantly. I had both of mine went through a stage where if you got anywhere near, you took the top off the enclosure, if you dropped the predam in, if you tried to change the water dish, they were kicking. Now, one thing that helps mitigate that, again, is giving them a deeper enclosure. I have one of them in a bioactive enclosure. It's one of the 12 by 12 by 12 Exoterra ones. There's plenty of depth. She has webbed the whole thing up. She sits on that webbing, and I almost never get hairs kicked on me. Now, I will say she had kind of slowed down on the kicking behavior before I put her into that one, but I've spoken to other hobbyists, and the general consensus is if you want less kicking, put them in a deeper enclosure. I've never gotten a threat posture from mine, I don't think. It's always just been the kicking. They can bolt around, but they don't, I've never had one like try to run out of enclosure. I've never had any issues with that. They just kind of run and hide in a corner or run to their burrows. But that, again, when you're used to a slower tarantula, that can be a bit shocking. But my lord, they're glorious with their blue legs, the turquoise carapace, the orangey color abdomen. They're just such cool spiders. I actually talked to a guy years ago that said he hated the look of them. And I was like, what? Like, I I didn't get it because they're so gorgeous and striking and different compared to other tarantulas and they're even cool as slings they're kind of gold with black on them and they're they're neat looking little slings and they're fun ones to raise up because the slings are voracious they grow at a medium pace or so great hunters and it's fun watching them go through the color change and when you first start to see those green show up it's and then blue show up it's such an amazing experience i can still remember both of mine the first molts where i actually saw some of the blues and i was like wow this is just uncanny the color changes they go through so awesome species again appear on many beginner lists i think if you are a beginner and you're looking at them be prepared be prepared for a spider that's going to be a little more than your normal grandma stole or rocky palma can be a little more I don't want to use feisty because they're not really feisty, but definitely much more skittish, but they're so worth it. They're just amazing spiders. So if you're talking about blue tarantulas, you got to have the C kind of pubises on this one for being one of the few that's beginner friendly and being, I think, one of the, the best looking spiders with blue on it out there. All right, the next one, don't you dare call it mini GBB because people that like this species freak the heck out when you do so. They hate it because many of them think they're actually better looking than the GBBs. And I will point out uh, a detail that I think kind of can set them apart from the GBB, but that would be the O. diamantinensis. These little spiders are just stunning. Like one of the most beautiful tarantulas in the hobby. I think most people agree on that. They do look very similar to GBBs, hence why a lot of people will refer to them as mini GBBs, but they, they're they different. If you compare the two of them, and I would say the biggest difference is that my O. diamantinensis, you get them out in regular light, the colors are there. You can see the reds, you can see the greenish blues and the, the light sky blues on the legs. They just pop it seems like no matter how good or bad the lighting is, where the GBB, for those of us who have tried to photograph or film them, you they look good, but to really get those colors to pop, you have to have good lighting. They have to be lit a certain way to really get the colors to show up. And a lot of us have discussed how difficult it can be sometimes to get those colors to show up. So I think that kind of gives the diamantinensis an edge in some people's eyes because they literally, like you open up that enclosure, they're a heavy webber which I forgot to mention with the GBB. It's a heavy Weber, a very prolific Weber. And that also, when you've got a spider that colorful sitting against a white background, helps the colors to pop. So they're both heavy Webers. They both have a similar coloration. But I do think the Diamantinensis pops a little bit more with the, you know, 
not perfect lighting for lack of a better term. So for some people, that gives them an edge. I, I love both. I'm not going to argue over which one's better. They're both incredible spiders. Now, the slings are incredibly fast. That can't be understated. When I got mine, I bought them from Fear Not Tarantula, and Tanya was nice enough to put a little note on them saying, be careful, these guys are fast. She wasn't kidding. They boogie. But as slings, they'll do a little burrowing. They'll web up quite a bit. They eat great. They grow very quickly, which is awesome because they start off as teeny tiny slings, but they put on size quickly. Before you know it, you'll have a spider showing off some of that adult coloration, which is good because that's what you're looking for. And mine are fairly visible. I would say one of the drawbacks, at least as mine, as far as mine's concerned, is I will find it sitting out on its webbing sometimes, but if you disturb it, it immediately shoots into a web den, where my GBB, they hit a bit as juveniles, they would hide in web dens, but as adults, they're always, 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 always out in the open. With my Diamantinensis, it's it's kind of, you can catch it out, you can get some good pictures of it, but usually if I take the enclosure out and open it up and jostle it too much, it goes away and retreats in its den. But you do catch them out enough to appreciate them. So again, a beautiful spider, heavy webbing, heavy, heavy webber, and could be beginner friendly as long as people are aware of the speed. Now I've heard that the adults tend to calm down a bit. Mine's still kind of skittish, but it has calmed down. It's not quite as bolty as it was when it was a sling. However, I've heard some people say that theirs are incredibly calm and tractable and handleable. I haven't found that with mine. I've talked to other people that said theirs, you know, are okay, fairly laid back, but again, they wouldn't try to handle them. So uh, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, some, uh, and I think that needs to be stated with anything. It's, I should have warned everybody in advance before we got into this one. But again, temperament can vary from specimen to specimen. It can vary from molt to molt. So just because everybody's odiamantinensis are very laid back doesn't mean that yours are going to be. You could get a very crazy one. It, it's all in the luck of the draw. So just always keep that in mind when we talk about temperaments that these are temperaments for mine. These are temperaments that most people report, but it doesn't mean that every single one of them is going to act like this. So again, another beautiful one. I think as far as bluish tarantulas are concerned, these should be up in the top of the list of things people want to acquire because not only are they spectacular looking, but you're going to see them more often than some of the other ones on this list. I'm realizing now that I have apparently two left on the list. I thought I had one, but nope, we had one. I can't believe I almost forgot this one. Monocentropus balfouri, or balfouri, one of my all-time favorite species. Obviously, these guys are getting a lot of play recently on like YouTube channels and stuff because everybody's starting up communals with them, which is awesome. I know when I first got my communal years ago, obviously other people had done communals with them. It wasn't, it, no way, shape, or form was I the first person to do a communal, but I had a very difficult time finding continued information, continued updates. So people would set up a communal, I'd get a couple updates on it, and then it would just pitter off. And I was like, what happened? Did they all die? Did they turn into Hunger Games? So I wanted to really document these guys, and for good or bad, and hopefully illustrate that they were a great communal species, at least in captivity. We don't know what they do in the wild, and that they thrive in those conditions. And we've been able to show that. A lot of people have them out there, which is awesome. So I think a lot of people learn about this species now looking at these communal videos. But let's not forget, they're one of the blue spiders. Even before people were buying up more than one of them to set up in communals, we were buying them up because they were gorgeous and blue. I remember when I first got in the hobby, these were one of the more expensive ones with females were commanding like $500 for a female. Slings are like 200 and something bucks. They slowly started to come down. They're still fairly pricey, but it's come down a great deal from where they were before. At least again in the US, I've talked to buddies that are in the UK and I guess they're very cheap over there, widely produced. And again, just gorgeous. I think it's not just the blue, it's the contrast of the blue legs the pearlescent powder blue carapace and that kind of cream fleshy tan color body it just contrasts so well they just look amazing 
And I think a lot of times the full blue tarantulas get more attention because they're completely blue, but some of the blue-legged ones are just gorgeous. And the males have even more blue on them. The males have that blue carapace. Instead of just being the powder blue, it's like a deep, rich blue. And the blue goes up the legs even further. So just amazing blue spiders. Now, again, not beginner species per se because they are old world. They can pack a potent bite. They can be a little bit defensive, although mine have been pretty laid back overall. I will say they are a good species as far as an introduct- introductory species to keeping old worlds. I do think a lot of people will label them as beginner, if, if there is such a thing, beginner old world species because of the fact that they tend to be more shy. Mine will bolt to their burrows and hide rather than stand their ground. I do have footage out there where I caught one of mine out in the open. I went to feed her. I popped the top off the enclosure. I startled her and she's threat posturing. But that was like one case and I have the communal that had nine in it. I've never gotten a th- received a threat posture from them. So amazing species, gorgeous to look at. They can hide a bit, especially during the cooler, drier winter months. When your heat's on, it seems like when the air gets dry, they hide a bit. But you'll catch them out enough that they'll be worth it. I mean, it's not one like, a say, a C. lividum, a C. lividus, where you're not going to see it very much at all, or the Oviolospes, where you never see them. You guys will catch these guys out a bit, which makes them well worth it. Gorgeous. And again, if you've been in the hobby for a while and you're in for a challenge and in for seeing one of the coolest things you've ever seen in your life, try a communal setup on it. They're totally worth it. One of the coolest things I've ever done in the hobby. All right, so again, this was never meant to be a top 10 list, but the one that I got last, I put last, it was strategic because it was, it is and still remains the one that I hear the most people tell me, I saw this spider, it's amazing, I can't wait to keep it, or I saw this spider, I've never kept spiders before, would it be okay for me to keep it? Part of it's because they're just so darn pretty. It's one of my favorite genera of tarantulas. We're talking, of course, about the Pisolotherium metallica. Just amazing spiders. This was the one that when I originally saw a picture of it online, again, I harken back to the days where I was, my computer was in a different spot. And I first I was really getting into it doing the research. And I called Billy over. I'm like, check this out. Somebody got a little crazy with Photoshop and I completely dismissed it as a fake spider. And it was only later on that I looked it up again, found out, nope, they really do look like that. They really are that blue. And I was in awe. And I was like, someday I'm going to have one of these. Well, I've kept, well, I think, 11 now to this point. I had the 10 in the communal, the one I kept separately, the big female. Gorgeous spiders. That blue, that sapphire blue on those legs and on their body is just striking. Plus, they have the little dashes of yellow on it, which really makes the blue pop even more, makes the yellow pop even more. And... For those who like the patterns on Pisolotheria, they have those cryptic patterns on their backs and on their abdomen. They bring that into the mix as well. So it's kind of like, and they have the Pisolotheria build, that lithe build, very sleek, very regal looking spiders. Like I always joke that there's like tarantulas and then there's Pisolotheria because there's nothing out there quite like them. So amazing spiders. But again, uh, one of the ones that a lot of newbies are keen to, to get and to obtain but they're not a beginner species per se. I'm leaning toward these guys being one of the introductory old worlds. I know Pisolotheria get a bad rep because of the potential for the bite, but I found that my my Pisolotheria metallica aren't nearly as bad as they originally used to talk about them as. I used to hear they were super photosensitive, very skittish, and I'm sure some people do have specimens out there like that, but I've had a lot of them. Granted, the communal ones seem to be a bit more bold because they are in a commune, and they I don't know what it is about the communal setups, but it seems to give the spiders a 
bit more confidence and to be out and about. So I do see them quite a bit. The female I have by herself, though, she's, once she put on some size, she's always out in the open. I was changing her water dish yesterday, and I called everybody over. My son came over. He's like, oh, is that the P. Metallica? She was sitting right out in the open, no problem, very calm and, you know, not skittish at all. So, again, it, it, temperaments can vary from specimen to specimen. So you could end up with one that's a little more wired, but I do think they're rather laid back, but they're still not what I would, I would not recommend these to people just in the hobby. You do need to kind of have your husbandry down. You had, you need to have your rehousings down. You need to have some confidence behind you before you start keeping these, at least for most people. So unfortunately what I tell most beginners is you're going to want to get some experience before you try keeping these guys. If more so because of the potential of issues, if something should go wrong, if you're rehousing your T albopilosis, and things go a little bit wrong, it's not going to be nearly, the consequences aren't going to be nearly as bad in most circumstances than they will be if something goes wrong with your P. metallica. You can end up with that thing bolting on you. If you corner it, you could end up with a threat pose. You know, the bite would be no fun. So that's what you got to think in terms of. Unfortunately, most, I, although they seem to be fairly laid back, you, you have to keep in mind that potential. It shouldn't completely scare you away from them. And again, it's always, there's a difference, a huge difference between potential and something being probable or likely. And I think sometimes we, when we talk about species like this, we take that potential and we kind of make it like it is likely, like it's inevitable you're going to get bit. No, it's not. And I I think I've proven that and many other keepers have proven it. But again, I do think it's a species that's probably best dealt with for people that have some experience with them. But my God, when you do have the experience, definitely pick one up. They are gorgeous. They are glorious. I won't say if it's my favorite piece of Letharia species because I do find the black and white ones to be just as striking as the P. Metallica, the blue one. But you can't deny that blue is amazing, especially with the yellow. So P. Metallica, and of course, is the fact that I have a commune of them now. It's not quite as, I, I wouldn't say... It's quite as successful as the M. Balfouri one. I've had no cannibalism or anything, but there were runts that I had to pull out because they were getting ridiculously small compared to the other one. So there's no longer 10 in there. Plus, you do have to keep them kind of closer together so they don't create their own territory, so you don't have fighting. Where the M. Balfouri, you can seem to drop them into a giant tank and they'll all basically congregate toward each other. They want to be around each other, but they have been getting along fairly well. I haven't seen any knock on wood, tiffs over food, any fighting. So far, so good. So that's another plus. But an amazing spider. And again, it's not a top 10 list. And although there may be 10 or 11 species on this, I didn't even count. But it is one that tends to be the holy grail for a lot of people. I mean, I want to say mostly newbies, but there are a lot of people that have been in the hobby for a while that really rever this species. So there we go. Peace Letharia Metallica would be the last one on the list. And that covers the ones that I'm covering in the video and in this article. Obviously, I'm sure somebody's going to come up with other blue species. I'm sure I probably missed something. But I was trying to get some of the ones that I've kept and have experience with and some of the more popular ones that people talk about and that they ask about, plus get some alternatives on there that might not be ones people usually think about. And, you know, who knows? Maybe in the future when the Birupis Simoroxigorum become more popular. We add those to the list. Maybe people yell at me for her Pactera pulcopies. We add those. The other one that popped up after I was doing this is Idiotheli Mira that has the, you know, obviously the little blue feet, but again, it's just a little bit of, it wasn't a real lot of blue. The majority of them isn't blue. And I really don't consider them to be like one of the quote unquote blue spiders, but some people may. So obviously we could expand this list to include other species that have blues and other colors, whatever. 
It is what it is. This is the one I put together. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Hopefully you appreciate it. Feel free to comment on some of the ones that you've kept and some of the things that, you know, the species that you'd like to get. For those of you that are just getting into the hobby, what are the ones you're most looking at getting into? For those of you who've been in the hobby for a while, which is your favorite blue species? I think I would have a hard time picking my favorite. I love all my guys. So that will do it for this one. This is actually, I have been speaking now for close to an hour and 40 minutes because I did the the voiceover for the video earlier today and that took a little while because I was having a bunch of background noise now we just did the podcast and generally speaking for every 15 minutes of podcast it takes me about 20 minutes of talking time because I have to stop in between and cut the dog farts and yawning and snoring out of the background so my voice is starting to go so I'm going to quit now before I lose it but we did reach an hour so there's a longer one for folks that are sitting at home bored self-quarantining or staying at home or whatever you may be doing again we didn't mention that in the beginning of podcast because I'm sick of talking about it but Obviously, a lot of us are stuck at home, so hopefully this helps pass some of the time, at least for an hour. That'll do it for this one. As always, you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on TomsBigSpiders.com. Thank you all so much for listening. And of course, as always, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys all next time. Please stay safe and healthy.